Okay, all right. Are you ready? Um, right. Was that my wife? Was my wife. Australian accent? Like, what was it? It was Bora. Are you ready? I just think of every time I think of Borat, I think of Babala. I am no longer in love with you. Not <laughs> the whole person. Oh he's like obsessed with Pamela Anderson. Oh and he's my like god. on the hunt to find her. Oh my god. Pamela. Like, King of the castle. King of the castle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it, Bora. I love it. <laughs> Welcome back to No Thank You Next. I'm Megan, and I talk about true crime stories that happen while dating. And I'm Rachel, and I talk about true crime stories that happen while married. Hello. Hi, guys. So Welcome uh, back. Dun, 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 dun. How are you guys my, feeling a week into my... da- No, two weeks. Two weeks what? into Sorry. daily savings time? That's my what? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, my little like let's pump it up diddy we're a little tired oh, today guys guys uh we're a week into not even yet a week into daylight saving and uh quite Apparently frankly fucking us up <laughs> quite frankly i have traveled to other countries like i'm like a day ahead i've done right? many things but this hour that i have lost fucks right. me up so bad every year but like i truly i feel wasted right now like i feel so <laughs> tired i'm so tired so that's a good indication that we're really gonna bring it today oh heck yeah uh, yeah guys we're gonna say i mean if i leave in the beginning we i did a lot of borat impressions so. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're coming from that's it oh my god truly gosh. Uh, dude, I used to hate daylight savings just as a mom. I just knew yeah. that it was going to like fuck up. Oh yeah. My for kids sure. sleep schedule. Yeah. But right now my four-year-old doesn't have a sleep schedule. She's just oh yeah, up when she's up and she yeah. sleeps when she sleeps. Like that's, that's it. I gave up on, on oh. trying to like, yeah. So no, but before, oh my God, when she was super little, like when she was a baby. I was just like, it's not, it's just an hour. It's not that bad. Oh yeah. You oh, like yes, have to was. slowly increment them throughout the week. Right. Like you have to do yeah. like, 30, like 15 minutes and 15 minutes. And then every day they're a little bit yeah. on the right track or whatever it is. But like, she would just would wake up super, super early. And it's like, you're not even awake at this time. Like, why are you awake now? Now um, that it's daylight. It was just weird. And then like, she just was um, never tired. It's like, what the heck? It's an indication that this kid just does not like sleep. <laughs> Ugh, I'm the opposite That's what I would it. give I know what I would give but the thing is I get so tired right now at like six o'clock and that is not an ideal time to go to bed and it doesn't make any sense because technically and it's, it's so light outside <laughs> yeah <laughs> it makes zero sense it's the waking oh. up that like I wake up at like what would be 4 30 yeah like so it's like I wake up at 5 30 but it was 4 30 you know and my body still knows that so (laughs) maybe that's what like will keep you tired because you're just like it's really an hour behind like you know what I mean like you're constantly like mentally just mentally filling in like 
no, yeah. it's not five o'clock. It's four o'clock. And that's just mentally making you more exhausted. I feel like I only do it for like the first week. And then after that, I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> just I'm tired, you know? Mm-hmm. But man, kicked me in the ass this week. But some other fun stuff that I did besides not sleep. Um, oh, let's talk about last week. We oh, yeah. interviewed did Megan. You like- yeah. Did you guys like it? Do you want more of that? Um, call we'll in. Try- Let us yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. We'll try to do more of that. I really had fun interviewing Megan. Mm-hmm. I was telling Rachel, um, that, I was not you or Rachel. I'm telling you guys that I was talking to Rachel. Rachel's here. Here I am. Wow. Um, that I feel like Megan really meshed with our uh, personalities. Like we mm-hmm. like to joke and have dark humor. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want to like bring people on here that would want to talk to Oprah, you know? Like I don't want <laughs> I don't want to like, I don't want us we to don't. become a serious podcast, but I also yeah. want those people to have a place to speak. So it's a mm-hmm. fine line who we would invite to talk simply because we are, our way of talking about true crime, we make a lot of jokes, not about the people, but about ourselves mostly. And mm-hmm. I would never want someone to come on here and not understand the format so feel uncomfortable exactly exactly like laughing at something that may seem a little silly yeah like Like you guys heard we laughed at a lot of like I mean Megan talked about her like surgeons like but she would bring up she would make a lot of jokes Mm -hmm. but yeah it just meshed really well so I think in the future we'll try and find more people to come on here but I just wouldn't want to make anyone uncomfortable absolutely I agree yeah we will try and do more of that, but it was so fun talking to her. She's truly like, just so amazing and and down to earth and just like, yeah. yeah. And very open about her experience. Like she's not put off by questions or people being intrigued in what happened to her or, you know, Mm that's just, it's just the nice open honesty and the ability to kind of like find her way through it with some dark humor. It just, yeah, it was, it was pretty astonishing when she talked about um her dark humor like when she was talking to her stepmom about whatever it was like her stepmom said something and she was like well at least they didn't get attacked by a machete or whatever mm-hmm. and it reminded me because my friend's family so when I was in I want to say I was in college my one of my best friends her younger brother passed away and I spent a lot of time at her house so when I would go over there I remember (laughs) like after he passed away like I would go over there and I usually would have dinner like at their house but Mm -hmm. after he passed away it was like kind of like you know you didn't want to like overstep like if her mom was having a really hard day um so I was staying for dinner and she's just like Megan, do you want to stay for dinner? This is her mom. And I was like, uh, yeah, if you have extra. She's like, well, I made enough for Kyle, but he's not coming. (laughs) (laughs) And I just remember running to my friend, Jen, and I was like, Jen, your mom's making jokes about your dead brother again. 
that's it's really like, funny. It's just like their way of coping. <laughs> like you don't expect to hear that. And no, exactly. Like you're shocked and you're like, yeah. Do I laugh? It would be <laughs> yeah. even worse if you didn't laugh, you know? Exactly. Like, to humor them. Didn't get the joke. I know. Yes. She's like, I'm the one that's making the joke, not you. I'm allowed to <laughs> <laughs> laugh. <laughs> or you're not eating yeah. dinner with us. <laughs> exactly. So I really love that energy, the sick humor. I know it's hard to have that. Mm-hmm. So again, that's why, you know. I just want to make sure we have people that would invite me to dinner, even though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on to another topic. Um, so last week we wanted to talk about this, but we were able to get Megan to do the interview. So we didn't talk about this. So we're a right. little behind, but the Sarah Everard, Everard mm-hmm. there's two R's, but the Sarah Everard story that broke a couple weeks ago was truly so heartbreaking. I feel like on our podcast, I try to sometimes tell stories like these just because uh, it's just fucking ridiculous that women are constantly told we have to like, we have to take these precautions. We have to do this. Like, why the fuck can't we start telling men? Like, don't be fucking creeps. Like, Keep your hands to yourself. Like, yes. don't advance on anybody if it's not a welcome advance. Like, don't follow yeah. anybody. And truly, it's like, like predatory. It's scary. And the scariest thing too is that he was a police officer, so it's like he's like using his yeah power. It's like they get like, and it could happen to anybody, male or female. If you're in a yeah, power position, you could definitely get a little crazy with it. Yeah, and that's and... definitely what happened in this case. It's yeah, scary. it's truly heartbreaking. The people that are supposed to protect you are the ones that ended up ending her life. And the women of the UK are finally like standing up for themselves and the police are being so brutal to these women that just went to her like- They were doing like it? a vigil for her. Yes, thank you, vigil. And they fucking like arrested, aggressively arrested women at this vigil. Like mm-hmm. it's so- so it's just shocking it's absolutely shocking and then of course this week like so much I mean so much hate crime like we're getting into an age again where mass shootings are starting to occur again we're getting into a time like of course the Asian hate right now I didn't mean to bring this up but the Asian hate that's occurring like the hate crimes that are occurring with Asians and all those women that died in those massage places, like Mm -hmm. absolutely. It's just like you continually see like white males as the suspects. And it's just, honestly, we got to educate the men in this world. God damn it. (laughs) Like what the fuck? Like three huge stories this week. So we've got Sarah Everard, a white male cop. Totally his power went to his head. Now, another one. We've got Kristen Smart. This happened in 1992. This week it became, or the week before the last week of March, it became 
a huge story in the news again, simply because they got a search warrant for the backyard of the home of Paul, who is the main, I can't remember his last name right now. But he Paul is, Flores. Paul Flores. He's the main suspect of this whole thing. Be- Originally, he was a suspect, but now they've come out and said he's the main suspect. And the whole thing, the whole reason this is even a case in the eye of the people right now is because of a podcast called Your Own Backyard. And it is a podcast that was done by a man who didn't even know the family, just simply heard this story and wondered what happened started digging up information, talked to the smart family, and they had a they had said that they were going to discontinue talking to the public. They felt like it fell on deaf ears. Nothing was coming of it. They would write down every single tip they got in their house. If somebody called their house and gave them a tip, they'd write it down. If an investigator called their house, they'd write it down. Like they were I mean, it's been the case has been unsolved for more years than Kristen was alive. And it's absolutely devastating. And basically the whole story is she was going to Cal Poly and it was her freshman year. So she was, I believe 18. Mm-hmm. She goes to a party. She's able to get her friend to go to a party with her, but her friends just kind of like, look, girl, I got to go home. I'm going to go back to the dorms. I just don't feel like staying out. So she leaves her. And Kristen is a outgoing, very uh, kind, smart woman. But the issue is she, this was the night, like, from what everyone has described, this was the night she was just going to put herself out there. She had decided she was going to a party no matter what she was going to a party. So she really, she took on a persona persona. She called herself Roxy that night. She introduced herself to every man as Roxy. She was wearing Roxy pants. They're un, it's unknown where she got the name Roxy, if it was from something else or because she just looked down and saw her pants. But she named herself Roxy and she was um, being flirtatious at this party. Is that something that happens at parties? I can tell you a thousand parties I was flirtatious at. Mm-hmm. But the only difference between the parties I went to and the ones that the one that she went to was that there was creepy Paul. That's what people called him. Psycho Paul. They called him. He people described him as albino. He was so so pale. So his last name is Flores, but he his mom is white. So he is incredibly, although he may be half Hispanic, he is incredibly white male. And basically, uh, everyone was freaked out by him. And on um a male two I don't know if they're a couple but a male and a female decide they're leaving they see Kristen laying on the lawn and so they grab her because she's so intoxicated and they say okay where do you where's your dorm we're gonna walk you Mm -hmm. well they start walking her and up comes creepy Paul and creepy Paul is like oh I can help you because this male that was helping escorting these two women already had one on one side and one on another so creepy Paul grabs her and while so this man walks the women 
So all four of them are walking. The one male that was with them walks off and the one girl says that she can make it the rest of the way. Paul tries to continually make out with this other female the entire walk and she puts him off, puts him off. So she is like, I don't know if I should let her go with him like to her dorm. Like he's Mm -hmm. so fucking creepy. But again, it's 1992. We don't have the buddy system that we have today we don't have the education that we have today when it comes to predators on campuses there's so much that goes on on college campuses anyways that was the last time that Kristen was ever seen alive was her walking to her dorm and um basically his parents more has come out listening to this podcast it's absolutely just the fact because it's one being done by the sheriff's office so that's your okay for whatever reason it's like they fuck it up a lot of the time well also they've had a lot of sheriffs in the last like 30 years Mm -hmm. so every new sheriff that comes into town is saying that they're gonna solve this case but nothing really comes of it they bungled it. They've got search warrants for uh, backyards, these Paul's parents' backyards. And then they decide, oh, well, it's too much money to dig. We're not going to dig. Okay. What? Well, they found an anomaly. So don't you think uh, the ground penetrating radar saw something? They've used dogs. The amount of money that has gone into this case is quite a bit. But because mm-hmm. they keep fucking it up, But the thing that boggles my mind the most is Paul's past. Like every single woman that has ever met him, without a doubt, even his ex-girlfriend, which there's only one apparently, has said when they found out that he was a suspect, their first thought was, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh no. Not like when you see your friend, you're like, no, what? No, he's not capable of that. What are you talking about? Not a single one doubted for a moment that he was not capable of this. They, every single one was like, yeah, he really creeped me out. Like (gasps) I'm like, he, I'm grateful. Like one coworker said that he like tried to pick her up and take her somewhere like another. Yeah. Like she was just trying to be nice to him. He had a stutter and he was an alcoholic. The only saving grace through all of this is because he's an alcoholic, he continually gets arrested because he has so many DUIs, but his family still supports him. And element, sorry, I feel like I'm going to have a whole episode today just on this (laughs) fucking story. In elementary school, he beat up a child. He stomped the fucking child's head. In this podcast, they interview this man. He had a shoe print on his fucking face. And the only repercussion for Paul was that the school asked that Paul take anger management and his parents refused to, to, yeah, take him to anger management. And the whole, every, which I a hundred percent believe that his father is just like him and definitely his mom is in an abusive relationship. They finally separated, but definitely I think she's scared of her husband, 
but that Paul was identical to him, which is why everyone thinks that his dad is involved and knew where helped him bury Kristen's body. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause when you hear interviews, like he's like, they'll ask him. So, uh, if I brought up like a story, oh, and by the way, they had to settle that case where he beat up that kid, they had to settle. And so they bring it up and he's like, uh, what case? And they're like, the one that you said you settled. He's like, I don't know what a settlement is. What's a settlement? Yeah. Like just every just interview dumb, goes like, like that. Everything yes. Is like, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Deny, but, deny, deny. Yes. Like this story goes so deep guys. Like it is, I think it's nine episodes, about an hour per episode. It took me a couple of days to just binge the whole thing, but uh-huh. I, it's absolutely, I'm just floored that he hasn't, they haven't been able to like, there's a lot of corruption with the sheriff's office. Like, uh, somebody rented one of the homes that they owned and found evidence, and the sheriff's office just lost it. Didn't know where it went. What? Yeah, like, there has been corruption. There's been just blatant, like, bad work. And, I mean, this case definitely needs to be solved, and it's just so heartbreaking for this smart family like they're getting older mm-hmm. and Kristen would have been I believe they said 47 this year or 2019 I think it may have been 42 or 47 I might be getting that mixed up but like her parents are getting old and they want this solved in their life their lifetime you know mm-hmm. and just so I just like to me for the amount of time and search warrants they've gotten for this fucking family, like the fact that they have, like, I don't know. It's just wild to me. Like this, it's just this, just at a loss of words. It's this, it's such a sad story. So I definitely recommend that podcast, um, your own backyard. It is absolutely just so well done. Even the police talk about how it has created so much momentum for the case. Mm-hmm. And um, he, yeah, he gets tons of tips. Like he gets a lot of insider stuff and he is just really trying to help solve this. Mm-hmm. And it's been a lot of legwork of like the people, like just people that don't even know the family just helping. So highly recommend. I hope to God this last search warrant that they got a couple weeks ago to search the house yeah Yeah, get something because at this point I mean but as I was listening to it because you know I mean you hear about um god what was her name the the it was like I think it was probably a year ago now the one where her children went missing and she kept going to Hawaii oh god I can't remember um Keith Morrison did a whole podcast on her mommy doomsday. Oh my God. Um, is that what it's called? Yeah. Cause she like believed that her children were going to, um, they were zombies. Lori Vallow. That's what it was. Oh my God. I'm so, close. so when they went to her new husband's backyard and they did that whole search warrant, they started digging and finally found the children's bodies it was like oh wow so sad it's 
so fucking heartbreaking. But listening to this podcast and hearing how many times they have dug up these families' backyards looking for evidence, it's like 10 times. Like, and for them to literally find nothing, I can't imagine. It kind of took the wind out of my sails when I was like, oh, this isn't the first time they've dug in these backyards, you know? Like, it almost felt like, oh, they had enough evidence of something almost like the Lori Vallow like oh they know specific information so they are doing this for a specific reason where it almost feels like they're just doing this shit I don't know but you have to have a good reason to get a search warrant so to have so many but Mm -hmm. at this point it's like I hope that it's a large scope like search warrant they did everything they could absolutely yeah so so sad I know. I know. Yeah, the Lori Vallow. Oh, I don't know that I ever talked about that one, but Mommy Doomsday with Keith Morrison. That Dateline really loves that story. They've done several episodes just on Dateline, and then they made a specific podcast about it. But wow. I feel like that story is absolutely wild. Like the the sheer fact that her husband died by her (laughs) brother's hands. And then mm-hmm. she takes her kids to school, comes back, and she goes, it's just, my we're new here. My neighbors, I just don't know what they're going to think of us now. She's nuts, Your dude. Your husband is fucking dead. Like, what the actual fuck? And yeah, then her that brother was- ends up dying. It's just like the layers. there's a lot of layers yeah I watched Bailey Therian's murder mystery makeup Monday thing she did one on her and she's like did she she do an update I don't know if she did an update but when she was doing the episode she had a poster board with everyone's picture on it who was involved so she could like point to what was happening because the story is so twisted and convoluted and it's like who was doing what and what and where and how I will say the dateline the mommy doomsday really does get you in the timeline so it's not so confusing yeah because there's just so many people involved yeah exactly it made it very clear how like the timeline of like when she bought the wedding rings on her dead husband's amazon account to getting married only days later like it and then his wife dying of mysterious reasons and then it's just the guys go listen the layers layers. yeah it's the wildest story and it's absolutely so like she's so fucking crazy Mm -hmm. like they just like declared people zombies so they could kill them it's just like it's just like that huh (laughs) yeah and her oldest son is just like he obviously wasn't living with her at this point but he loved his younger siblings and just seeing his mom not become his mom anymore Mm -hmm. was it's wild like hearing his his side of everything but yeah i'll have to check that out okay that's so nice all right Hmm. i need to move my screen (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh my little tired eyes are gonna read <laughs> you a story for a bedtime podcast i know i'm under covers so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna lull myself to sleep <laughs> 
All right, guys. So to hopefully not lull you to sleep, but tell you a also a 1990 story after telling you the horrific story of Kristen. Um, this story is about Chandra Murr. So it's in the 90s. It's Memorial Day, May 28th, 1990. Exciting to have a free weekday off, guys. It's truly a beautiful day. Nothing but excitement ahead. But in front of Lisa's house, there is only chaos. She looks out her window after hearing a crash, what she can only explain as a blood-curdling scream. She looks out her window and sees her friend's boyfriend, Brian Simmons. He's bent over someone, bleeding. She isn't putting the pieces together quite yet. She parts her way through her neighbors where she finds 23-year-old Chandra Murr, her friend, who was there to pick her up or pick her son up for a birthday party. It was clear she had been hit by a car and was bleeding from her torso and legs. Chandra's kids were screaming in the car after they had just witnessed their mom being hit by a car. Brian is trying to stop the bleeding and Lisa jumps in. Chandra begs Lisa to take the kids inside because she doesn't want them to see her like this. They were kicking the windows and the doors, but they were locked. The poor kids were stuck in a car with windows to see everything happening. Lisa takes the kids inside, an ambulance arrives, and Chandra is taken to the hospital and immediately goes into emergency surgery. So let's go back to the scene. Because it was a holiday weekend, everyone was home. So that gave you a lot of witnesses. Basically, all the neighbors came out and they were trying to help police piece it together. They begin to tell a story of a car that looked like it meant to hit Chandra. Oh. It wasn't an accident at all. And they're able to describe the car as the person did not stick around after their crime. Well, when they look at the skid marks on the ground, when the car, when a car breaks, it makes a specific skid. But when a car rapidly picks up pace, it makes another skid mark. Mm-hmm. If you skirt, like you're going to like take off. And if you mm-hmm. break. So that, that's my expression. I mean, really honestly, good. it's it a lot of visual. <laughs> <laughs> I have adapted. I mean, I got Um, it. Did you guys get it? I got it. (laughs) Please tell me you got it. Yeah. Um, So basically it picked up pace and it was against a stationary object, such as another car or a person up against another car that then went up against a wall. Oh my God. Yeah. So that'll leave a different type of impression on the ground or a mark. So a picture begins to come together for police on what actually occurred. It was, it wasn't a simple accident that someone didn't see Chandra in the road. They used her body as a target and the car as a weapon. As they continue to get recounts of the situation from the neighbors and onlooker, one specific recount is so detailed. She remembers it to this day. 
Andrea Williams was not from the area, but happened to be driving with her boyfriend. They were looking for a park to hang out in. They park a bit behind Chandra's car and are gathering their things before getting out and kind of being onlookers because as they park, they notice Chandra get out of her car with her boyfriend and they are being affectionate. And then a car stops next to the couple and it becomes clear Chandra and Brian know the person in the car and not in a good way. They are possibly yelling at one another, but a lot of hand gestures were happening. As the blue car looks like it's going to speed away, it stops, backs up in an extremely fast speed. It gave Chandra and Brian no time to move, but it was clear on a path to hit Chandra. He hit her and pinned her against a car and then pushed the gas pedal to the floor so it would pull put the force against the car. She's screaming during all of this. He then turns the wheel and Chandra falls to the ground in front of the car she was pinned pinned against. The car then pulls forward, backs up over Chandra and over the curb into the front yard of the house the car was parked in front of, then went forward, ran over Chandra a third time, and sped away oh my god Uh, yeah (sighs) like what the fuck that's yeah yeah (sighs) okay that's intense hatred exactly like yeah so this account matched most most with the evidence that they found And it proved with detectives thought that it wasn't an accident. They also now know there were several several people in the car. Because as she gave the account, she said there were three people in that car. Because they drove past. And she had time to see. Um, They also found out the color of the car was blue. And so now they can put out a bolo for a blue car that has back damage. back um, Because they ran into a fence and a car Mm -hmm. and a person. So they're stopping any blue car that they think fits that description that day, looking for damage that would match the incident. Now you're thinking like I am, why don't they track down Brian, the boyfriend who clearly was there the whole time and probably knows who the person is that ran over his girlfriend. He had rode in the ambulance with Chandra. So he should be at the hospital waiting for her to get out of surgery. Well, when police get to the hospital to find him, he had actually been kicked out of the hospital. He had freaked out on staff so severely over Chandra's care that they told him he had to leave the premises. What? I know. So you're, I was thinking, like hearing this story, like, oh fuck, like this guy's a psycho. But you'll find out later, he was just a really good boyfriend and truly in shock of the whole thing that he just like lashed out at the hospital and wanted the best care for her. Right. But he was like escalating the situation at the same time without like, he wasn't helping, you know, like you gotta, and nobody was there to help him to pull him away being like, Hey man, you got to calm down. Like we, we got to be here for Chandra. Like, no, he was the only person there, like to be there for her. Nobody had probably in shock too. Yeah. Like witnessing that. Yeah. That had to be so scary. 
and, and just that, not being able to protect her like mm-hmm. i i would imagine you'd want to like grab them do something but in that moment it's just like yeah you also, it happened too fast yeah it happened so fast you would also you know like yeah you don't know what to do in that situation like what do you do grab no, the wheel, what grab you... person it's a car like what yeah. do you fucking do exactly so, um <sighs> so yeah he was he's and again it's 1990 you can't just call up a cell phone you can't just like like you could find his house but he wasn't there so it's like what are you gonna do so since they can't find him and the crime scene is right in front of lisa's house chandra's friend they decide to start there chandra was lisa's was at lisa's house to pick up her son because it was chandra's son's third birthday that day and they wanted the kids to go together to the party so Lisa had nothing but good things to say about her friend, but she did let police know that Chandra's life had been in turmoil for some time. She was married to a man named Brent Burr. They had separated two years prior and were no longer living together, but they still were legally married. Chandra had moved on and was dating Brian, but the possibility of an ex doing something this horrific is always a possibility, especially when they were in the midst of fighting over custody of their kids. Lisa said they decided to separate because they would fight constantly. They decided to find Brent Murr, and when they find him, he is at a barbecue with family. They tell him they are questioning him because she may have been in a situation that involves police, which is like the most vague, like, like the most vague response. Also, like, wouldn't he want to know where his kids are? Like this to me was very odd, this whole situation. Like if anyone should have his children, it would be the father if the mother is like incapacitated. I don't know. This is very <laughs> odd, but they never really like alluded to them because they didn't want him to panic. So okay. basically they question him and he's extremely frank with them and admits he drank too much during the marriage, the mar- during their marriage and it affected it. And he knew about her boyfriends, but didn't know who they were. And he seemed to be giving no red flag answers. He had been at the barbecue, which was corroborated by many people it, at the barbecue. Mm-hmm. and his car was black so a lot of things were just not adding up as him being the suspect right so they started square one again after waiting hours for Chandra to get out of emergency surgery and hoping to get answers from her the doctor comes out and breaks the horrible news that Chandra had been pronounced dead during surgery oh you know it's no longer attempted murder and such as that loss Those children had to witness their mother's murder and never got to say goodbye. It's truly so fucking sad. Like they were so young, but they talk about how the kids definitely like got a lot of therapy because that, I mean, to witness such a horrific crime is really, really heartbreaking. So thankfully they finally find the car after stopping blue cars all day they pull over a car with the bumper damage when they inspect it the car they find dried blood as well they know this is the murder weapon car there are two only two people in this car though both are white males the driver is john ritchie he's only 24 and his friend is michael shell and he's 22 the men look incredibly incredibly drunk 
And when they inspect the inside of the car, they find empty beer cans and liquor bottles strewn all about. I know. When John is questioned, he plays stupid. He said he had been drinking all day and has no idea what accident they're talking about. He won't break or doesn't know anything. Now, are you ready to hear the most jaw-dropping twist? Yes. Michael turns out to be Chandra's brother. What? Yeah. So Michael is in the murder victim ca- victim car, the crime car. He's in this car. <laughs> and when- just doesn't doesn't know, doesn't realize, like does he even know what happened to his They're sister? both wasted. They're both wasted. <sighs> so the detectives are completely floored by this information. Because yeah. find- of course they have different last names because she had been married. So mm-hmm. they don't know this off the bat. And when they're questioning him or finding out more for doing background, they find out that it turns out it's his sister. I mean, yeah, his sister is the victim. So to find the brother of the victim in the car is quite jaw-dropping. Yeah, Michael's completely wasted and of no help. They try to give him coffee, but he can't even sit up straight. He's so wasted. Oh my God. Yeah. So they're just trying any tactic to really snap him out of it. So Mm -hmm. when they tell him that the car was used to kill a person earlier that day, he just stares at them with a blank face that's in disbelief. He says he only remembers being in the car and drinking that night. Finally, they tell him, look, the person who was killed was your sister. He begins to get incredibly emotional. Now it's impossible to question him any further because he is losing his mind in grief uh out of luck they both were wanted criminals so they're able to hold them in jail as they sober up so hopefully they can get something out of them later Mm -hmm. to question them again hopefully michael had calmed down to tell him a bit more information but he really was just so grief stricken um well after a few hours putting them behind bars to sober up worked because john finally had some answers he asked to speak with detectives because he has something to confess john says look i was driving it earlier when you pull this over i know it looks bad but john tells him the person that was actually driving the car all day and whose car it is is teddy sedlak so it turns out that after chandra's separation she started dating teddy which is why her brother was in the car. He was friends with this guy, Teddy, because he met Teddy through Chandra. So Chandra eventually broke things off with Teddy and started dating Brian, right? Mm -hmm. Teddy is staying friends with people in Chandra's life and being completely in love with Chandra still. Oh. Yeah. Was, it was incredibly, this breakup, he took it so hard. So that morning when Teddy and Michael decide they're going to go on this bender for the holiday, they're going to drink all day and drive all day. Literally the worst combination of anything. Yeah. 
Like who so says that? Why don't why can't you just stay home and drink? <laughs> like stay home. Who even says that for the plan for the day? Like we're <laughs> gonna just drink and drive all day. I mean, the 90s are fucking wild. So <laughs> Teddy, so that morning they decide to spend the entire day drinking and driving. They bought a bottle of tequila and a fuck ton of beer. Now John only remembers at a certain point of the day, Teddy jumps out of the car and just starts running leaves the car with them in the car and detectives are like why would someone just fucking leave their car yeah and they're just like these guys are so drunk they're just like nice <laughs> it's just like he was in bed <laughs> they just fucking get in the front seat and drive the rest of the day like okay so turns out teddy has had quite the past with violence and they actually found out that Chandra had filed a restraining order against Teddy. Yeah. So she was doing everything in her power to make herself safe from this man. A restraining order is the highest form of protection in law under murder, of course. Like, that's that's the end of that. Like, either a stalker slash person that is like, that you need to get a protection order from is either going to take which so rare they take it and they're like got it leave your life or they obsess due to this and make it their main goal to make it so that you are theirs forever and nobody else's so teddy had been stalking her for weeks after finding out that she had moved on and he stalked her after the restraining order was placed. So clearly this restraining order was not effective in the slightest. And when Brian was around, Teddy would get scared and run away. So when he knew that she was alone, he would harass her and stalk her. So they now know he is capable of doing this horror to Chandra. So they need to find him. As they arrive at each location they think he may be, it's as if he was just there. They made it to his apartment and they found a half-packed backpack. And they decide, okay, we need to contact his mom because if he needs help, chances are he's going to contact his mom for help. Mm -hmm. So they tell her everything, holding back absolutely nothing of the horrific accident that occurred. And basically tell her, look, he is a criminal. Have him, bring him to my office and turn himself in. Because if the police out there on the street find him, he's a wanted murderer. Like, they're going to end his life if he does anything shady at all. So, because he's dangerous, his mom convinces him to turn himself in. Wow. Yeah. Also, this the 90s again are so fucking crazy. All of what I'm telling you took place in 24 hours. <laughs> what? Is that not crazy? The detective work? That's so quick. The occurrence. Yeah. Wow. They took so much. They put so much focus into this case and bang, bam, bop. Like they fucking solved that shit quickly. Like absolutely crazy. Okay. So he is arrested, but he already had an attorney when he showed up. So unfortunately they weren't able to do a lot of questioning because he had his attorney. He's just like, sorry, not going to talk. Yep. Mm -hmm. But Brian finally shows up to talk to detectives. He basically gives his account of the day and what happened. 
And it's a lot like what detective said and what I told you all in the beginning of what happened. Basically, he backed up, went over her, over the curb. But the most chilling part that the witnesses did not see was that Brian standing there so close to Chandra said he saw Teddy run over her, look down out of his window and walk, look at her while he ran over her again. Like oh he ran God. over her and she was under the front of the car and he's looking down at her and then runs over her again. Oh my God. That's so fucking evil. Like, I can't, I don't even, it's just, it's so much anger. I can't even imagine. Right. So he was sentenced to 22 years for second degree murder, which I'm sure it was a deal, plea deal, because that's mm-hmm. fucking crazy. But he was up for parole in September of 1996, was denied. Then up for parole in August of 2007, but good for Teddy. He didn't even have to make it to a second parole because he was discharged in July of 2007 and currently lives a free life. That's terrifying. That's so scary. Like the 90s are just so fucking crazy. Like, Like, I can't stress it enough. I cannot stress it enough. Like they get one thing right. And then, you know, detectives aren't a part of like a plea deal or anything. And it's just like, they did their work so quickly. And for him to get off so easily is so absolutely frustrating. (sighs) Absolutely disgusting. Like, no justice for her family, for her kids. Her kids have to be so upset knowing that, like, she's been taken away forever, but he gets to walk free, live his life. Yeah. Oh, man, that's scary. Oh. So fucking sad. Poor Chandra. Just exactly excited for her son's birthday party that day. And that man, God, you just don't fucking know people, you know? Exactly. That's truly evil yeah like you don't know that what people are capable of mm-hmm. you it's just wild to me like I think all the time like it's fucked up but I think all the time like I look at Vince and I love him so much and I see that he loves me but I can I just like I try to think like what would he be capable of if I just did not that he's capable of like being a psycho as like most people like like this yeah yeah but like the reality being like that people are capable of things like this being so Mm -hmm. angry and so just like evil that it's like I don't even know I just think of fucked up shit like that (laughs) (laughs) right I mean we made a joke a long time ago like when we bought a chainsaw for our palm trees it was just like if I if anything ever happens to me it's my husband in the chainsaw like yeah but yeah you like you kind of have to I mean you don't you don't have to because that it's I'm not saying that it's healthy or unhealthy but I mean you have these intrusive thoughts yes. when, you, when we look at true crime stuff all the time yeah you look at your significant other sometimes and it's you like just, are you capable you of this because you think you know someone right like or like even imply like, it like with your own self well, like am I capable yes. of doing something like this if I got so fucking mad and exactly was like so full of hatred am I capable of doing something like this exactly like like, well even like what Megan said last week it's like he had been abusive 
but mm-hmm. she never thought he was capable of what he did mm-hmm. and it's just that thought of like you think you know someone you yeah. think you know their limits but they like fucking go over them mm-hmm. and you are shocked absolutely and uh, yeah yeah i know <laughs> I know we're speechless, but we've got a lot to say about it. (laughs) I want you all to take the rest of your day, your night, your week. Think about would your partner or would you ever be capable of murder? I feel like Chandra Rhimes wrote that. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that was a tough story. That was really sad. It just mm-hmm. like just makes me so sad. But you know what? There are some detectives out there that fucking solve shit because they care. Mm-hmm. And, and we need more of those. People were involved in this for sure. Yeah. I know. You kind of wish that like they had more of a of a pull in the system. Like when they catch somebody like this, and it's like, no, I worked on this case. I personally met this person like yeah you need to keep him in there you need to yeah. he's not done yet he's not done you know yet. it's wild actually leave him in I know that this has been a long episode but if you guys another podcast I recommend is small town dicks which I've talked about here many times it's mm-hmm. Lisa Simpson talking um god why do I always forget her real name <laughs> I can't remember her real name right now <laughs> Oh, uh, damn it. Hold I on. always forget her real fucking name. Uh, <laughs> it's going to drive me crazy as soon as you find it. Ah, ah, ah. Yardley Smith. Yardley Smith. <laughs> okay. Anyways, it's her husband and her husband's brother. They're twin brothers and they are detectives in Springfield. And that's how they met because he was her bodyguard when she went to do a Simpsons event. And um, yeah, they tell stories. And today they told a story about because they worked in um, child abuse cases. And this girl came forward. She was a teenager and she was talking about how her mom's friend raped her many, many times. Yeah. And the amount of work that went into this case, they found him so quickly and they called every, like he ran, he ran away and they called every bus stop that he went to, to try and find police. And then finally the last bus stop, he was able to call FBI and had a poll and got some men to go down there. And the FBI, because at every stop he had gotten local police to go to the bus stop. But they were like, sorry, didn't see him. Check the bus, check the station, didn't see him. Cleared it. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, I called the bus driver and they're like, his name, which his name was just off slightly. They kept saying clear, clear. So the final stop, that's when he involved the FBI because he's like, fuck this guy. I have a feeling he's still on that bus. Mm -hmm. This guy fucking tossed his phone thinking that they could find him that way he got a fake birth certificate with his new name so fbi found this man in a corner looking shifty because of course he's on edge he's running from the law Mm -hmm. and they ask him like what's your name and he tells them 
and he pulls out his birth certificate, which local police would have been like, thank you, sir. Good day. And they go, no, show us your wrist. Because he had a very specific tattoo. Shows his oh. wrist without a tattoo. And they go, no, no, your other wrist. And he <laughs> begrudgingly shows it. And they fucking arrest that motherfucker. And they send a picture to that detective with him on the hood of the car, bent over, arrested, and a picture of his fucking wrist to identify nice. him. Nice. So good. <laughs> I love those fucking stories. Like, fuck Justice, you. bitch. Oh, justice. So That's so what we're here for. Motherfucking right. justice. That's right. All right, guys. <laughs> On that note, we'll see y'all next week for another horrible story. Goodbye. Goodbye. Or shall I say in Borat voice? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>